0: We're celebrating Thanksgiving over the course of the next two weeks here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Join us. (music) Do you ever struggle with being thankful? Find it hard to find things to be thankful for? You know, there are times when we hit those doldrums, aren't there? Well, here today on Truth For Today, Pastor Phil Howard will take us to Luke chapter 17 along with a few other passages as we take a look at some themes of Thanksgiving, helping you to remember those things that we are to be thankful for. From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, we would invite you to join us as we celebrate Thanksgiving this week and next. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast.
1: of our Thanksgiving holiday, I thought I'd give you a panoramic view of what the Bible says about Thanksgiving, and so I'm going to read this passage out of Luke 17, and then we're going to just dive into different themes of Thanksgiving throughout the Bible and see if we could find an excuse to be thankful. Listen to Luke 17, 11. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. If you read John 11, you would see that uh, uh, heat is growing against Christ, and he makes a last visit to the north of, in Galilee and Samaria. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, Have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Literally, it says your faith has saved you. And uh, it's an amazing thing. Jesus healed a lot of lepers. He healed a leper in chapter 5, just one man. He touched him and he was healed. The the only reason this story is he was healing a lot of people. This is just a brief story. It's the only one of the gospels that records this story. And and its it's theme is not Jesus can heal. He's been doing that for three and a half years. It was to reveal the kind of response he got out of people that he did heal. He did all kinds. He raised the dead. He healed lepers. He healed blind. He cast out demons. Uh, On and on, the miracles were uh, too many to be told. But he makes a point here that these men who were social outcasts had no way back to family, synagogue, or friends because of their leprosy. All of a sudden, they cry out, which was common to do, have mercy on us. I love the word mercy. It literally means to have pity on those suffering from some aspect of sin. I'm either sick because of sin, and I'm going all the way back to all sin and death came through the fall of man. Death and sickness is in the world because Adam, we began dying. And they cry out. Please, at a great distance, have mercy on us. And he says, go show yourself to the priest. And this is amazing. They obey doing something. They haven't been healed yet, but on the way, and only one notices, I've been healed. They had to go to the priest according to the law, and he had to give them a write-off that you're free to go back to family, you're free to go back to synagogue, You're free to enter into the social life of Israel again because the stigma has been healed and cleansed and only the priests could give them, as it were, an okay. And they were taught how to examine lepers and how to uh, diagnose whether they were healing and non-contagious. So they're on their way. This one man's healed, which seems to be the other nine were Jews. One is a Samaritan. And if you know anything about it, the only way that people who hate each other can ever fall in together is to have the same problem. They all have the same problem so they didn't throw up a Samaritan can't be with nine Jews because the Samaritans were a half-breed race that the conquerors from Assyria Bread with Jews to break down the genetic line. So the Jews saw Samaritans as a form of genocide against their race. So they hated Samaritans with a great hatred. The Samaritans also were not orthodox. They only accepted the first five books of Moses. They didn't buy any other of the Old Testament. They didn't accept the fact of angels. They had all kinds of uh, different teachings from orthodox Judaism. So there was religious rift, there was a racial affront in even forming the Samaritan people. But the least likely one, the Samaritan, is the one who comes back and he said, I just wanted to come back and say thank you. The priest you sent me to didn't heal me. The priest that I'm going to, he gets me back in favor. He gets me back in good standing with wife, family, and friends, but you're the one that healed me. And I've come back to say thank you, and Christ, uh, no other miracle does he ever do this. He said, where are the other nine? Did I not heal 10 of you? Where are the other nine? And so if this parable and this true story, if it's indicative, only 10% of the people whom God blesses and gives them life, breath, food, sustenance, even healing, ever return to say thank you. So 90% of the people on the globe now have never said thank you to God for anything. Now, what's scary is the most orthodox religionists of the day were the other nine. They were the Jews. They were the Orthodox. They had the Psalms. The Samaritans didn't accept the Psalms. But only the Samaritan. He obviously was truly converted to Christ that day. He put faith in Christ. He acknowledged him as his healer, and he began to glorify God and to give him praise. Now, I thought we would look at several, uh, kind of a newspaper study. This is a topical study. You're not used to much of that. I want to look at several things why we're told to give thanks to God. Then uh, we'll consider uh, when we ought to give thanks, who should be doing it, and then let's just consider some ways how you can give thanks. So let's first of all ask, why in the world should I get involved in being thankful? Let me ask you this. Do you think ours is an age of thankfulness? I think what I hear is entitlement. I got it coming. Uh, I deserve it. Uh, You better do it. You better do me good. Oh, at Christmas time, couldn't you have done better? Uh, And, and, you know, as children, we accept it as children. You could put everything under that tree but that one gun that they wanted. That one toy. We're talking about play guns here. Play guns. Uh, my, I got a grandson, if it's not a gun, he doesn't want it. I'm glad he's in South Carolina. You can pack a gun back there. They, they actually kill animals. They, they can hunt back there. Uh, uh, go, moving right along. This is politically loaded. Uh, but why, let me just give you some reasons why, why we are told to give thanks. Go with me to Psalms, of course. Okay, turn. Psalms is to the left in your Bible. All right, uh, we have pew Bible turn, and you that have technology, a turn there. Uh, look at uh, Psalms 105, verse one. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Thanks also means to acknowledge, to show gratitude, appreciation. So it says, call upon His name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his name. Seek the Lord in his strength. So he says it there. Now watch Psalms 106, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is bad. Okay, you caught it. Some of your weight, Good. I mean, if you just take the opposite, if God was bad, wouldn't that be a hard assignment to give thanks to someone that's been bad towards you? Imagine a boy trying to get along with a dad that he can never please, a dad that gave him brutal spankings, a dad that always called him dummy. It would be hard to be thankful to that kind of brutal treatment. And here he says, when you come to your God, you don't have a brutal God, a God that has not been good to us. Give thanks because he has been so good to us. Then he goes on, for his steadfast love endures forever. And that is his keset love, his covenant love. He never, God is not a moody God. Uh, The gods of the pagans were moody. They were always thought to be angry. mad? You were always buying a, a, a favor, buying a gift. You'd even sacrifice your firstborn son if you could get the gods to give you a good crop, get the gods to give you fertility, that you were always trying to win a moody God to be favorable, not the God of Israel. This God is said to be happy. Did you know God is happy all the time? He says he shows his anger for a moment, but his loving kindness is forever. But let's go back to that happy. That's convicting to some of you. Uh, our God, is he stays happy. When you see the term, the, the blessed God, it's really saying the happy God. Blessed at all times. God is not frustrated by anything going on in the world today. Because our God is sovereign. He has even made the wicked for a day to praise him. He's ordained every sparrow that falls. He raises up empires. He takes them down. He knows uh, when we're going to get out of Afghanistan. And he knew the Pakistanis would be upset because the UN killed 24 of their soldiers. When have they not been upset with us? When do we get our boys home? I say, come home. Come back where we love you. And you don't have to hide out in a cave. That's right. God is orchestrating history, and he's not wringing his hands about anything, about anything. Because he, even the near, did you know what? No sin will happen today without God's permission. You couldn't even have the strength, wouldn't even have the strength to do it if God didn't give you strength. God's got to give you enough strength to lift your hand. He said that in Acts 17. Everything that lives, moves, or has its being gets it from God. God was not even defeated nor surprised at the cross, for you did what my purpose ordained you would do. Acts 4, he says it over and over. We happen to be sovereignty of God people. We believe God is not a slave to his creatures. And there's something bigger on his agenda than making us happy. And that is making him happy. And he's made a plan that's going to make him happy no matter what you do no matter what you do. But when you get in touch with God, you may get a taste of some divine happiness. Happiness that's not based upon happenings, but happiness based upon his character. So he says to them, give thanks because of his character. Now go over to chapter 107. Are you there? Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For a steadfast love endures forever. And what does he say? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he has redeemed from trouble. Now he starts enumerating all the trouble they've been delivered from. Verse 6, they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he didn't hear them. Oh, he delivered them from their distress. He goes on, they said in darkness, they had all, they rebelled, they spurned his counsel. Verse 13, they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. Verse 15, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. They ate all kinds of food, they became sinful. Verse 17, 19, they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. You'd think God would get smart or we would get smart. God, they only love you when they're in trouble. They only want you when they're in trouble. Do you think that's changed? Do most people come to God when they get a brand new car? Is that what does it? I just feel so thankful I might as well become a Christian. Or is it when life of some sort or the other crowds them and the pain of God's pressures coming on them, I can't fix myself. I can't remedy my situation. So pressure has been the great evangelist of most of us. When we realized our emptiness, that we couldn't cope in this world by ourselves. God, we cry to God, and he delivers us. But when God's not a sap, he's not a stupid God, he knows why you cry. He knows you're in trouble. But there's something about him that's reliable. He helps people that call on him for help. He delivers them. over, And he keeps saying that. In verse 19, they cried, he delivered them. Let's give thanks for it, verse 21. Verse 22, offer the sacrifices of thanksgiving. Tell of his deeds. Verse 28, they were staggering like drunk men in all their problems, of verse 27, they cried in their trouble. He delivered them. Verse 31, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men, Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Why give thanks? Because he's delivered you a thousand times over. He's delivered you every time you cried and asked for help. Whether it's health, finance, an answer to prayer, who knows the nature of all the things you call to him. I'll tell you, when your baby's dying and the temperature's high, And what the doctor says isn't working, you don't mind calling on a God that can deliver. And he's healed a million or more babies just today. Just today. You know, I never went to the doctor, Harley, till I shattered my hip and had all these problems because my dad with five kids and an 800 square foot government house, we didn't have any medical insurance and we didn't go running to the doctor every time we had pain. He grew up with Indians in Cherokee County. He learned how to be an Indian doctor. We had to be nigh unto death before he ever took us to a doctor. And matter of fact, we preferred the doctor to his remedies. They were severe, ask my brothers. They were severe. But you know what? We did more than anything. We first prayed when the kids were sick. You first prayed. It's amazing how little you pray when you got Kaiser. I just better have a good doctor and they better know what they're doing. You know what? You won't get well with the best of doctors if God doesn't heal you. God is the source of your life, the source of all healing. Nothing works for your good unless he works it for your good. And so, he says right here, yeah. uh, He said, we ought to extol him in the congregation. And then, just turn over with me, all the way to the New Testament, after Hebrews, a book called James. You know that her title's got his name on this book. Don't mess with it. James 1, 17 just trying to give you why we ought to praise him. Listen to this verse. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. I wonder why he said that. I think it's because they were deceived, or being deceived. Every good gift and every perfect gift, thank you, Kevin, (laughs) is from above, and you thought it was because you were so smart or it came from your inheritance. Well, there's a lot of us never got an inheritance. Amen? Amen. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and in case you think that means the stars or some angelic being coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Um, no matter who you are, whether you're a believer or not, if you've ever gotten anything good in this life, the ultimate source is God. He said in Matthew 5, we ought to be good even to our enemies. And he cites himself as the example for your God gives rain and sunshine to the good and the bad, to the just and the unjust, for God doesn't need an excuse to be good. He's just good. And he's good to those who say thank you, and he's good to those who don't say thank you. He says good to those who uh, love him, know him, and to those who don't know him. And so why? Every deliverance you'll ever have, every provision you've ever gotten, Everything good that's ever come to you has come from the Father above. He may have given it to you through family tree, through family finance, through whatever means your job. But ultimately, who? why did they hire you and not the other guy that was just as qualified? Why you? Why you? Well, when you get a divine perspective... Everything good that we have received has come from a benevolent Father. It's come from above. So I ought to at least say thank you, because I know where it comes from. And thank you for us is not a national holiday. It's a whole way of life. I, I my, I, you know, what are you thankful for on Come on, I, I need all eternity to say thank you. I can't just get it all said in one day. It's a way of life. I, I can doubt that you're saved if you're not thankful. You probably know, know him and just trust that you will get to know him. Why should you give thanks? Uh, let me ask you some questions. Uh, do any of you have children? Did you know what? Uh, the Bible says children are a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is really God's doing Even that illegitimate child that we call, that child out of wedlock, uh, that child that happened under dire circumstances. Did you know life is a gift from God? And that your very existence God ordained and spoke so that your very mother could conceive and carry you in a fragile body for nine months? Uh, You ought to be thankful you were born, that you had parents, And you need to be thankful that if God gave you any children, what a great trust. Not to entrust a car to you, but to entrust a life to you. Wow. It's no wonder we come out so warped when you think of the hands we fell into. Well, well, I got good parents. Well, you earned them. No, you didn't. I could never thank God enough just for that mother and dad of mine. I could wear you out and get quite emotional about it. You, you, you don't earn your parents. Do you ever thank God for who touched you in bed at night? Do you ever thank God for the hands that rescued you? We've got those among us that were adopted. Thank God somebody stepped up.
0: This has been Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. If you would like to review today's broadcast, well, we are available toll free. Give us a call. 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. Now, if you would like a copy of today's program, in fact, if you would like the entire four CD set called Who Are You? Be one of our first 10 callers. And for a donation of $10 or more, we'll send a copy your way. So give us a call today and request the series again for a gift of $10 or more. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Again, ask for the series by name, Who Are You? That phone number again is 855-833-9864. If you're writing to us, our address is Truth For Today, 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue. That's Suite 278 here in Hercules. The zip code is 94547. And if you would like more information, again, simply give us a call. We have a new website on our way. In the meantime, valleybible.org is a great place to start. It'll give you a lot of insight as to who we are and what we believe, and our church and our location as well. You are invited to join us. If you're not involved in a church fellowship, do stop by Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Again, details at our website, valleybible.org, or call 855 855- And let one of the ushers know you were invited by the radio broadcast. That would encourage us a great deal. Today's program is sponsored through the generous donation of our listeners. We do thank you for partnering with us here at Truth For Today. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you as you seek Jesus Christ and His truth for today.